Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 347 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly report on all things Star Trek and the final episode of 2017. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, December 19th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Friday, December 22nd at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kenna. And in our audio booth is our audio engineer, Quinters. Season's greetings, everybody. Unfortunately, Tony can't be with us tonight because he's away traveling for work, but we'll see him again in 2018. Now, Kenna, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week? Well, this week we're trekking out how Will Wheaton's life is imitating art, a new sci-fi series coming from Ronald D. Moore, and a new set of teaser posters for Star Trek Discovery. In Stone News, it's our year-end wrap-up with a trio of Star Trek Online devs. Executive producer Steven Ricosa, producer Maria Rosso, and lead designer Al Captain Gecko Rivera are joining us to talk about the highlights of 2017, and what we can expect in 2018. And they're even answering a few community questions as well. Later, our science advisor Dr. Robert Hurt is here with another report from the Astrometrics Lab. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, you know we love to hear from you between episodes, so please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast. Well, Captains, as I mentioned earlier, this is the final show of the year, and 2017 has been phenomenal, with amazing support from you all around, in both sharing the show, leaving reviews on places like iTunes, and of course, our patrons via Patreon.com. Now, you may have heard in the recent weeks that Patreon ended up changing a bunch of fees, but we want to remind you that they've backtracked on that. None of those controversial changes or fees will be happening, so your money will still be going to Priority One Podcast without any unnecessary or complicated fee structures that Patreon might have thought they wanted to introduce. Now again, Captains, as we've said all year round, we are so very grateful for your financial support. And although we were a little short this year, we are still grateful. Because of you, we've been able to keep the lights on here on Priority One Podcast and continue to produce weekly content that you have come to enjoy. Now, as we look ahead to 2018, we encourage you to visit patreon.com forward slash priority one to check out all the awesome perks that we have to offer our patrons. Now, Captains, we understand that a financial contribution isn't always possible, but there are other ways that you can support the show and have done so. First up, you can always leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't done so. Second, and we encourage this the most, is to share this podcast with your friends. Inviting them to get their weekly roundup of Star Trek news is the best way to spread the word and support the show. Again, Captains, we are humbled by your support in 2017 and look forward to continuing to provide some amazing content for you in 2018. Live long and prosper. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Fans of the CBS comedy The Big Bang Theory may remember episode 11 of season 9 entitled The Opening Night Excitation. In that episode, frenemy of the gang, Will Wheaton, drew booze at the premiere of a Star Wars film because he turned up in a Star Trek uniform. Well, this week, life surely imitated art, as Wheaton tweeted a photo of himself at the premiere of Star Wars The Last Jedi in, that's right, a Star Trek uniform. In his tweet, he said, quote, I loved hashtag The Last Jedi. It hit all the right notes for me, and seeing it in the Chinese theater surrounded by my fellow nerds was glorious. The Force was with us. Oh, 
and I went in costume for the first time ever because I'm a damn adult and I get to decide what that means. End quote. I thought this was so adorable. It was so cute. Did you ever see that episode of Big Bang Theory? I did. I do watch the Big Bang Theory and I'm up to speed with the series. I, I don't watch it, but I did watch that clip because it's hilarious. And that, that's the one that's, uh, that spawned the, uh, the line, live long and suck it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which is uh, kind of awesome. But I, I, I was really pleased, actually, to see him go in, in uniform, because I did not this time, but that was just from time pressures. But the last two uh, Star Wars films I went to in my Star Trek gear, because, well, why not? I have done it. I have done it. I think I went to Rogue One in my Star... In, like, some kind of Starfleet uniform. But I, you can, I haven't seen The Last Jedi yet. Neither have I. So no spoilers. I actually seen this picture going around and, uh, you know, like it was people liking and retweeting or whatever. And I was like, that looks like Will Wheaton. If it's not Will Wheaton, it's somebody who looks an awful lot like him. <laughs> I, <laughs> really I, excellent cosplay. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was really, really cool um, and uh, a great photo. Yeah. And also I love the, the sentiment of the tweet because, um, yeah, going to see something like that surrounded by nerds. And um, to my knowledge, nobody booed him. Um, it is. It, of course it's, it's... not. I'm sure they applauded him. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Now, Judy Hodge points out in the chat that he might have given himself a promotion. I think he was wearing a captain's tunic from TOS and a Novos tunic. Oh, really? Yeah, it was. And 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 in the big the in the Big Bang Theory, he was wearing a, a science officer. But this one was. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was um, Command Gold. Nice. Now, it's no industry secret that Apple has been ramping up its video content offering over the past couple of years with original shows like Planet of the Apps and Carpool Karaoke. Now, it's already announced several upcoming projects like an as-yet-unnamed drama starring Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston and a reboot of the Amazing Stories series, which will be produced by Steven Spielberg and Brian Fuller. And this week, it was announced that they are throwing their hat into the science fiction ring as well. Deadline.com reported last Friday that Apple has commissioned a new series from longtime Star Trek writer and producer Ronald D. Moore. Moore, whose lengthy list of credits also includes the hit series Battlestar Galactica and Outlander, is well known in the Star Trek fandom for his involvement in the franchise, particularly late seasons of The Next Generation and pretty much all of Deep Space Nine. According to Deadline, the new series, quote, explores what would have happened if the global space race had never ended, end quote. Details are predictably thin for now, but expect to hear more in the coming year, especially as Apple rounds out their television offering even more. Boy, oh boy, are the content providers coming out of the woodwork. I mean, you know, yeah. Apple TV is a very easy to install consumer product that allows you to begin your on-demand streaming journeys mm -hmm. but it's it's becoming almost more and more it's becoming more and more saturated right because now we have disney coming out with their own mm -hmm. we've got of course netflix hulu um amazon it, it, the, the problem now certainly is choice right yeah. but with ronald d moore spearheading a project for for apple I'm kind of looking forward to it. They Apple are not like playing nice here. They're going after the absolute biggest names that they can find on some of this content. They're they're just being incredibly aggressive and uh, I love him or hate him. Ronald D. Moore knows how to write and produce stuff that people love to watch. And, oh yeah. Um, the, the, a sci-fi series produced by Apple, who, by the way, have pretty much endless pockets, could be kind of amazing. I can't consider Ronald D. Moore kind of like the, you know, television show version of Steven Spielberg. Like, anything he touches mm -hmm. it is usually fantastic or really, really good. And he's going to bring yeah. people just for his, you know, having his name on the credits. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his IMDb page, there's stuff on there that I did not realize. I mean, he, I think he wrote Best of Both Worlds. Um, he wrote pretty much all of the two-parters in, in TNG. Um, he wrote um, Generations and uh, one of the other ones, uh, First Contact and Generations. Um, I mean, the, num the credits that he's got on Star Trek alone are impressive. Uh, and then, you know, and then you add in 
uh, of course, uh, Battlestar Galactica, um, and if anybody watches Outlander as well, <sighs> the guy knows how to make yeah, good television. Had, he does, but he's also had a, a you know some hit or misses, right? Because Caprica, I think, it, I mean, it certainly got poor reviews from from the general consensus. Never seen it from for Battlestar Galactica fans. You know, most most of it was better than mixed reviews. It was you know people who loved Battlestar kind of liked Caprica too. And Helix definitely got mixed reviews. You know, I think that Helix kind of hit or miss a little bit. I think Ronald D. Moore can bring something to the table, whether or not he's going to be able to carry a show on, on Apple. I'm cautiously optimistic. Now, here's the thing. I didn't like Deep Space Nine, right? So I think to each individual person, good sci-fi is different. DS9 rocks. Actually, it's really good that you pointed that out, Elijah, because that was our community question for this week. What do you think makes good science fiction? So we're not talking about necessarily good Star Trek, but good science fiction in general. And finally this week, it seems as though CBS isn't going to let us forget about Star Trek Discovery during this winter hiatus, because it's back on January 7th. Now, to tide us over during the holiday season, they've released four new posters this week, perhaps teasing some upcoming content. The posters each feature a dark figure on a white background, back to the viewer, and looking over their shoulders under the caption, Discover the Unknown. There's one for Michael Burnham, Captain Lorca, Lieutenant Saru, and Vok. The imagery here is a stark contrast to the early season teasers, which are more commonly set against a dark background. Outside of the mirror universe implications of the background color and the fact that we'll obviously be seeing Valk again soon, there's really not much to go on as far as the hints for the new content. But we don't have to wait long because chapter two of the first season will hit CBS All Access on January 7th, just over two weeks from now. I thought these the posters they're pretty they're posters. I don't know why they keep saying posters because who's who's printing these as posters? I don't know. You could download them if you like. Um, of course they're, you know, really People use them as wallpapers, Kenna. No, I know, but what my point is where can you buy them as posters? What whatever, I don't know. Anyway, they're posters. Um, it's the visual style is really really clearly breaking away from everything we've seen in the visual style of the first half of this season and I know you know what I'm talking about all of the posters all of the imagery all of the promotional materials has been really really dark background star field um, that dark blue and copper and these are just bright black and white and I mean the first thing I thought is wow they're really you know hitting us over the head with the whole mirror universe nonsense but it's I don't know it's visually stark well captains that wraps up the news for 2017. And now it's time to look forward to 2018 with Stephen Mercosa, Maria Rosso, and Al Rivera from Star Trek Online. Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha One Alpha. Logs accessed. And in this final episode of the year for Priority One Podcast, we are thrilled to be joined by Star Trek Online executive producer, Stephen Rocosa, producer Maria Rosso, and lead designer Al Rivera. Thank you all for joining us. Thanks. Hello, Priority One. It's great to be here. All right. Now, before we jump ahead, let's take a quick moment to review 2017. It is the end of the year. Stephen, why don't you give us a quick rundown of some of the accolades uh, that Star Trek Online has had in 2017? We've had a little update on our on our queues and some uh, our new PVEVP systems. We had... Uh, we had LeVar Burton join us. We had our uh, regular seasonal events, and uh, season 14 just went live not too long ago. Quite a bit going on in 2017, as we kind of see every year. Arena Sumpec, that was this yeah, year, right? Yeah, Arena was this year, that was new. And, I mean, who can forget the amazing Crampiri in the winter event that's going on right now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of really cool stuff. So what does the next six months look like for Star Trek Online? Or, you know, what's what's that first part of 2018 looking like? It's so busy and so amazing. Unfortunately, we can't tell you literally anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know we have the anniversary coming up. We'll have yeah, our, we eighth, talk about that. our eighth anniversary. Yeah, You can look incredible. forward to seeing a lot of the same things that we've, uh, you know, had on our anniversaries before. As far as the Omega mini, mini game and, and uh, Q will be back as well. 
Um, the anniversary is always a big deal for us. So eight years, right? It's eight, right? Eight years, yeah. yeah. Eight, eight years. And a pretty and a pretty epic uh, episode. Yeah, for yeah. That, uh, pretty pretty epic episode that will continue the story arc that we've been following so far about the uh, Zinkati. I can't. It's like we finished that so long ago. Like, how is it not live? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I mean, really, it was in the summer. It was a while ago that that got yeah. wrapped up, yeah. Oh, wow, wow, wow. But, I mean, in general, uh, you know, we're, we're, we can't talk in specifics at all, but like like always, we'll, we'll be releasing regular content, you know, every few months. We'll be having new celebrities. We'll be having, uh, we'll be uh, we'll be continuing the story arcs and starting new ones. So, um, you know, it's there's everything that you've uh, become accustomed to, we'll just have that and, and uh, more of that. Plus a couple of new really cool features that we've been working on, which we absolutely cannot talk about. Yeah. <laughs> some, pretty, some pretty big surprises for next year, for sure. Well, you, you talked a little bit about the voiceover work. Like, for, you know, for instance, LeVar Burton reprising his role as Jordy this last year. Uh, who Who's on your wish list for 2018? For 2018 or just our general well, wish list? Well, you can't say who's on our wish list for 2018 because, if whatever, because we've already figured out 2018, so there's no wish list. You can say what's our wish list for 2019. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can right. say my, my forever wish list, yeah, which forever would wish incur, list. it would include uh, Sir Patrick Stewart and, mm-hmm. and, and William Shatner, but I think that's going to forever remain on a wish list. Yeah, we're going to have a GoFundMe. <laughs> but I, I will say that everyone that we had on our wish list for 2018 we yeah. actually got every single one plus a few bonus plus a few bonus ones yeah. Yeah. yeah so we actually got a pretty impressive list for next year yep nice already signed and ready to roll we had no yeah we had no every single person we wanted we got oh nice that's awesome yeah. just uh, going back there to um the anniversary i assume we can expect a new tier six ship uh, to be given away, or t- that we you can, can earn. You can always expect new tier six ships. So. Yeah. So, yeah, that is a <laughs> so distinct that's possibility. A, yeah, it's a way way to way to use that crystal ball there. <laughs> Tony's not here, so somebody's got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> now. Uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, you're talking a little bit about story and voiceover work. Now, now that Discovery has been released, how has it affected Star Trek Online, if at all? For instance, during STLV, you hinted at uh, some of the Discovery assets coming to the game, and players like uh, Rain are curious about playable characters like the Kelpians. Well, um, we did put the uh, uniforms into the game because they're really cool. And for 2018, certainly, we have most of our stuff done and worked out and that was done and worked out before discovery even started airing so i don't know that you would expect to see anything in the near term i mean we absolutely all love discovery here and of course we would love to work some discovery in but you know that would be a ways out if if at all yeah we you know we, we we plan years ahead and we also build way ahead so yeah like like maria said i mean we she was just joking about the anniversary. We've been sitting on that for a long time, so so we're not that agile. It's like, oh, Discovery launches and next week we'll come out with a you know a piece of content that dovetails with it. It's not pretty realistic. I mean, well, we could, but it would be bad. <laughs> would be bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're we're planning on having some uh, some assets, and we've been talking about potentially getting some. Uh, some story-based content in there at some point, but it would definitely wouldn't be in the first half of next year at all. But to uh, but to address your question directly, as far as like how is it affected? I mean, one of the things that has been really um, great about developing stories for start for Star Trek Online is that whatever we got seven hundred hours or you know how many how many seasons of television that we've had that I've watched and we've all watched over and over again dozens of times. And now with developing, if we were to develop a story for for Discovery. I don't even know who might be dead, right? Who, who might be dead in the next episode? How it makes it really, really hard to kind of write, write, uh, write stories for a piece of content that's still in the making. So it's a lot different than when it was if we want to just go back in time to something, or if we want to kind of tell a side story of what happened to, you know, about these Iconians. I mean, what if they introduce something and then we talk about it in our game and then they end up going in different directions. So it's really challenging yeah. um, to even start thinking about planning stories. So so that's just how it's just affected us. It's not it's not quite as easy as it's been in the past. Yeah, and I mean, we, we really like picking up the loose ends yeah. that are left behind, but with something that's ongoing, there aren't, <laughs> yeah. there can't be loose ends. It's like, not a loose end yet. Yeah. Right. 
Now, all right, so this next question can be a bit of a doozy and can likely be answered probably by each of you in some way. And now looking into 2018, what plans might be in the works to revamp systems, things like fleet holdings or the duty officer system, Deep Space Nine maps, uh, or maybe story arcs like the Fakiri that Burst Dragon via Twitter mentioned, or the Foundry that Hippie John and Thomas Clegg uh, asked about? Uh, Ricosa said he wants to get this one. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We do have plans to do some revamps, but we also have some pretty heavy plans that... uh, have us adding a lot of new stuff. But I will say one of the items on there, on that on the list of things you mentioned, is definitely getting a complete revamp. But I won't say which. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Okay. Do you have any information on possibly revamping the exploration system or reintroducing it, I should probably say? I mean, what we had before with this with the Star Cluster stuff, that mm-hmm. can that has died in a fire. And at this point, people are standing on a dead horse uh, with that one. It's that can't come back. It was bad for so many reasons that the you guys wouldn't have even seen. It was bad for us trying to maintain even just normal content. Like, would we like to do some kind of exploration? Sure, but it would not look like that. We, we've had we've had discussions on it, and we've gone beyond the whiteboard stage. But I don't know if there's anything in the very near future for that. And now, and you know, we talked a little bit about the exploration. What about Foundry? I know a few people have been asking about, you know, what the what it takes to port over things from Neverwinter, and we know that you know uh, different technologies, and so to speak. What is the future of the Foundry? Well, you can you can count on uh, us continuing to add new maps and assets, albeit at a slower pace than we might like. But adding the any of the features that you see in the Neverwinter Foundry is a Herculean task basically rewriting it yeah so i don't i can't imagine when we'd have enough programming time to accomplish it but i won't rule anything out of the realm of possibility never say never so if you could theme 2018 what would it be well there's a big like trek milestone anniversary that year and we did have a little tease reveal at the end of our STLV presentation. You don't have to be too coy about it, right? I yeah, mean, you're, like, you're D- DS9, I believe, would be the theme of next year. Oh, nice. Yeah. That'll make a lot of people happy. Not I. I mean, I am so looking forward to it. I am so looking forward to it. <laughs> As well you should be. I really like TOS. <laughs> and saying that, I'm looking forward to it. We, we put in a special uh, script in there that any time uh, Elio's characters play any future content related to DS9, that it warps them back to Earth space dock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've reviewed some of the broader aspects of Stowe between uh, 2017 and 2018, let's jump into some of the nitty-gritty questions. Okay, so we highlighted here on Priority One Podcast earlier in the year the huge costs in completing just a day's worth of projects within fleets. Do you have any plans to help lower these huge costs? And if so, what are they? And just to give you some examples, minimum amount of DOFs that you need for a single day's worth of projects in a single fleet is over 400. And it's over 500,000 dilithium per day. Do you have any plans to help lower these costs in the future? No. We've been examining the costs on that. Part of part of what we implemented in order to kind of take the sting out for smaller fleets is the uh, Armada system, yeah, Armada right? System. So people can yeah. can share. Um, we have been reevaluating duty officers for sure, just kind of how they go in and, and their cost. But you know, fleets are all. A variety of sizes, and we, we had to pick an average size in order to uh, in order to kind of accommodate as much as we can. When we developed the uh, the fleet system, we took a lot of uh, data about see what how the number of people that are in fleets on average, and calculated the costs. And the, that that average has stayed pretty much pretty consistent. So um, larger fleets are going to have an easier time, and smaller fleets are going to have a hard time. We have to kind of pick a pick a pick a, a data point. So that's what the Armada system was designed for to kind of help alleviate some of that pressure. Plus, there's always, um, you know, there's always uh, events, and, and you know, in the past we've had, uh, uh, you know, like recruitment events that help out as well for for fleets. So we'll just watch out for those events to get those boosts. But it's supposed to be a system that just takes a long time to do. That's that's the goal of it to have everyone work together to complete something something larger. Yeah. Because um, if it were done, everyone would be knocking on doors. Says, when are you going to make more stuff for the fleet? So. Right. It's, that's uh, 
that's designed for it. Which, if you if you look at some of the really large fleets, they are in fact doing just that, saying like, "Man, we need more stuff to do." And it's like, well, you know, big fleet problems. <laughs> True, but there's a lot of small fleets out there as well that do struggle with this. And oh, right. absolutely, uh, we like like Al said, we looked at the um, average fleet size and by participation, not just by like oh, right, uh, people signed up for it but aren't participating, and that's what we use to calculate all of the costs. Now, it's I remember- not meant to be immediate gratification with this. It is meant to be. Something over the long that you term, you can do in the long term, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, I mean, our fleet actually, the, the the Star Trek team fleet is really quite small and is probably in the same position as any other small fleet out there. One of the fundamentals of design is that we want to make sure that whenever you're playing our games, not just Star Trek, but whenever you're playing a cryptic game, that you're getting. You're getting regular dings of progress at different intervals. There are small dings that you can always get something, boom, within a couple minutes. You can always get something within a couple hours. You can always get something within a day or a couple days. And then there's always things that you have to reach for over months or years. And that and so there's different gradients of those of those systems of different ways that you can accomplish something. And every day you log in, you can accomplish something in Star Trek Online quite easily. Uh, and some things are just meant to be accomplished over the long term, and that's what that system is designed for. Um, and so, take so, so the armadas was is designed to kind of take a little pressure off of that. You know, smaller fleet get into an armada; it's going to help you out. All right. So now let's talk a little bit about the new miracle worker and the tier six ships. Even though they are tier six, they have the additional universal console slot. Now, when compared to standard tier six ships with eleven consoles, how how do these stack up? What is what has been the um, the reception and, and the analysis now that they've been introduced, and and how does this twelve console ship affect the future of ship designs? <clears throat> tier seven <clears throat> ships. <clears throat> Al, I think you said you wanted to answer this question. Um, well, I, I uh, so so. How does it stack up? I mean, everything is balanced within itself. So it's not a indication that all ships coming going forward will have an extra console slot, if that's what's being being asked, nor has it had anything to do with whether or not we will eventually have uh, tier seven ships, which um, I wouldn't count on seeing that anytime soon. But uh, it's, if you're asking what's what's the reception, I don't know, do you know where, how, how? The Miracle Worker actually did quite well. Um, it was very popular when it came out and it was, and it was a big hit on uh, over the Black Friday sale. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely a solid ship from the, at least from the sales standpoint. I mean, when we make new ships, I mean, there's there's only so many ways you can configure ships. So sometimes we just have to try weird and different things. You remember the first time we made a ship that had five forward weapons, right? Yes. Uh, and uh, that was that was that was a awesome. you know that was awesome. And and, and and every so often, you know, we, we make a we make a ship like that. So it's. But you know, you, you're generally giving something up when you do something like that. So it's it's uh, so this was just something that kind of made the theme of you know a ship that was designed for and by engineers. That they would have more engineering things to do. So there was no you know there's no subtext to it if that if, if that makes any sense. It's just it was just something fun to do that hopefully got people excited. It's all about theming the ship. Yeah, right. right. But well, that okay. and Jeremy could speak more uh, to what trade-offs he made, but I do know that that was because of some of the things that we wanted to do that the stats might have been lower. So this was right. like compensation for that. But again, he would have to answer that more because I don't remember. It was, yeah. yeah. Jeremy built that a long time ago, so we can, we can have him on and talk a little more detail of his, uh, his design strategies. Miracle Worker was designed in 2016, because you guys are that far ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, moving on to something else now. Currently, there are 11 reputations in the game. While many existing players don't mind that many and often look forward to new ones, this has to be very daunting for new players. So my question is, at what point is there too many reputations in the game? You know what? I'm going to add to this and say it's not just new players, but even players that come back to the game like my you know like myself I, I take a little bit of a hiatus and then come back in and all of a sudden there's like four new reputations and i don't know what to do and which one to do first so i'll say for one as if it's a totally new player who has not been like handheld through the uh game by someone more experienced i don't know that it is too many for them because they discover them later and you can't start them till later 
Um, no longer a new player when it's a, when it's a right. Issue, right. But uh, but I I do think that we have been looking actually at the reputation system in general in ways that we can smooth things out a little. Potentially make it more account friendly. Yeah. Um, okay. And he said the A word. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Although we, we do we have, have the, talking about the tokens. Um, yeah, we talked about that, and and we're um, we're adding them less often, right? It's one or maybe two a year at most. So you're not seeing them at the same clip as you were in the past. So there's there's other ways that we can you know reduce the pinch, but it has it has been a topic of conversation from Jeremy and from Al yeah. uh, right. for the past few months. And me. And Maria. Because yeah. I also. I mean, the, I, I, I was in, I'm in charge of the UI team, and so I can't help but think, oh gosh, that's a very good question. What point are there too many yeah. I mean, <laughs> for yeah. the UI? It is something that I've heard quite a bit, and I've talked to a number of different players, and one in particular, Andrew from the Priority One Armada, said that they will actually not create any more new characters, even when there's a recruitment event going on, because they feel it's too much of a grind. You know, I, I think it's really kind of interesting that we have too much content in our game now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it is very meta, right? It's a very right. meta kind of theory behind this because, you know, like I mentioned earlier myself, sometimes I, I, I log into the game and I'm like, all right, what do I do? Like, what, what, I, there's so much. I feel almost inundated with a lot of content, and I so and so therefore it's harder for me to find a goal of what I can accomplish in in the hour or two that I have to play when I log in after not logging in for a while. Yeah, it can be it can be something that we have a, an odd perspective on, right? Like today, actually, the, the day we're recording is my ninth anniversary here at Cryptic Studios, and I can remember when we Congrats. launched, and it was just like, oh, no content, there's nothing to do, I'm so bored, and and hearing people say now like, oh God, there's way too much to do. Um, it, it can be funny to us, but to your point, we have tried to think of ways to better organize it or point people at something to play each day to kind of organize your play session instead of saying, here's a million things, pick like one. The Endeavor right. system was, was it's kind, kind of, of a, baby step a, a toe, yeah, a toe in the water. Yeah. Okay. It's like, hey, everyone play this today and kind of seeing what works. And because we weren't sure if people would enjoy the Endeavor system. And after the first day, it was kind of like, oh, is that it? But then as days went by and people kind of got to experience more of the endeavors, it seems like it became something that's that's quite popular. It's like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to jump a little bit ahead here because, um, you know, a few people had asked about PVE. And I think that, you know, I think for myself, for instance, in that moment of, okay, I want to log in and I want to blow something up. You know, I log in and, and there there is still the concern of, of older PVP queues and, and what is being looked at to encourage players to play either older content or newer content or engage more in those cues. So Al has some plans, and I, and uh, we've had some ideas and some features requested into the software team that would uh, help concentrate players, give them reasons to play older cues that you know may, are still fun, but maybe people just don't play anymore because it's not the new hotness. I don't know if you have any more that you want to add. Just uh, I've talked with you on, on Priority One about some you know speculated on some some thoughts, but. The Endeavor Systems kind of does this a little bit, right? It's like it's everyone to play something specific sometimes, and so you'll see a concentration of people somewhere. But if we can do something like that specifically for queues and generally where we can concentrate entire populations, that everyone just do this for this particular reason, um, and have something like that, along as well as a, an improved UI to help people find what they're looking for a little bit better, um, something that we've wanted for a while and had uh, have put a lot of thought into. So this is something that we're seriously thinking about because there is a lot of really great content within you know, within the queues to play. Mm -hmm. A lot of it just uh, doesn't just doesn't either doesn't get played. People don't don't play it anymore. People think that oh the queues are they're thinning out. But it's not just people. The number the number of queues we have people are spread across so many. Um, Choice overload. Yeah, and they're concentrating on on the ones that have the best. Uh, best returns right but there's a lot of really fantastic content out there yeah. that that just doesn't get a lot of attention so i really want to get people to play through that and i bet there's stuff that most people most of your listeners hasn't even ever played before in there so we want to leverage that so you can look forward just to some improvement okay so we've talked a little bit about the pc and just the game in general let's let's switch our attention over to the console platform now our first question here on both the PlayStation 4 and Xbox platforms, there's no overall holding contributions available in the fleet window. So this is pertaining to fleets. Is this something that you're working on? Um, and when could we expect something like that? So this has come up uh, a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that we are happy to put on the uh, software docket, but it's just been 
quite busy lately uh, on live and in active development. So that's something we're aware of. We've talked about it before, but uh, there's nothing currently being worked on for it. And why would something like that that we have in on the PC version not quite make it into uh, the console? Is it because it, the interface and, and how it's built is really so different that you just haven't put it in there yet? Yes, uh, the, it's not just the front end for the UI that's different, but some of the back end as well for the console, which is why when people say, oh, I want the UI from the console on my PC, it's not like we can just snap our fingers and make that a thing. It's, it's, uh, there's, there are some differences on the back end um, too. So it wouldn't be just a, guys just type in this field name and it's there. It, it would be a, a bit more work. Yeah, I mean, when we when we made the port to console, outside of the lighting changes, you know, the UI and interface is, was majority of the time we spent for the port. It was a massive undertaking. So, Months. Yeah, so that was it's it's a uh, yeah that's it's a lot of work. So because we didn't have to change the game, right? We just had to they, they improve the lighting and rebuild the UI, which was just massive from scratch. That yeah. was that was man years of work. Yeah. yeah. So. So that's that's what took the time, and that's 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 your that's that's your answer to why it hasn't happened is because it's just time intensive. Thing with console, uh, there's a well-known bug in the fleet system again, where alt characters cannot be promoted within fleets. Is this something that you're aware of and possibly working on? And uh, is there likely to be a fix for it? We weren't aware of that bug. We were all kind of looking at each other. So that's yeah. something we can report. So by well-known, I'm not sure who knows it if it's not the three of us. So I would I would encourage people, if, if you think there's a well-known bug, make sure that it is, in fact, well-known to those of us that work here. We need, like, really detailed bug reports that um, our community manager, Ambassador Kale, is really great at, at getting those to us, and we get really quick turnaround on most of them that um, that we have enough information to uh, fix. Most of the time when we hear about bug reports, like we hear, well, when are you gonna fix this costume bug? And we're like, well, what does that even mean? I don't know what the bug is, what right, costume. Right, you need as much detailed right. information about yeah. it. So if you get that to Ambassador Kale, we will try and get that fix in as soon as we can. But um, it, as with all our bugs, like we try to fi get them fixed as soon as we can. It's just uh, with console, as soon as we can is always a little bit longer because of all the, the process that we right. go through. Would you rather that people like if, if they if you come across something and you're like, oh, everybody knows about this. I wonder when they're going to fix it. Would you rather that just people submit a bug? Yes. Just in case. Absolutely. <laughs> Put it on the forum or tweet it too if you want. Um, to to at Trek Online Game, not mm -hmm. to those individuals on the team because most of us do not. If any like bug comes across my Twitter stream, I ignore it because like for me, it's my personal Twitter stream, not a work related thing. But yeah, if you put it on the forums or put a bug report or get it directly to Ambassador Kale, we will hear about it and. It's only through things like that that these well-known bugs actually reach us. Because I think it's one of those cases where everybody thinks someone else must have reported this. Exactly. It's the bystander effect, but for bugs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Our Patreon supporter, David S., asked about the possibility of transferring or copying accounts between the PC and console, and how likely or unlikely could that be? Helio, would you like to take this question? <laughs> Because <laughs> I know we've answered it before on this show. There are some uh, are some technical concerns in doing that, so there's no plans to do it at this time. What? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, switch focus a little bit and, and I'll get into some more nitty-gritty community questions. Uh, Kenna, why don't you take this first one? Mandalorian asks, given that we all end up as one big happy bunch of allies by end game and can do STFs together, are you planning on removing the restrictions on KDF and FedMixed matching teams? That's something I've wanted for uh, quite a while. Yeah. So why haven't you done it? Uh, because Keith won't do it. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> <laughs> because it was just a non-trivial amount of software time. Yeah, but it's something that we have talked about, basically saying that after the uh, Sphere of Influence, the the end of the war episode. Mm -hmm. If you played that, just kind of letting people uh, letting people do mixed uh, mixed teams, as well as 
mixed or maybe a, a we've certain level. We've gone as far as talking about mixed fleets. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we want we all just get along now, so we want to encourage unity. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I'm sorry, you you guys joked a little bit about about Keith, um, but what? So what is it that that it's a it's a systems issue? It's a like no, a back end. No, it's a back end software yeah. issue. Software. Keith is our lead software engineer. Yeah. It's so. If you if you think of the game inherently started with this idea of two separate factions and never the twain shall meet, yeah. and now we're like, well, okay. When well, we said never, <laughs> what we meant was at some point in the future that we didn't discern originally. So we have to figure out exactly yeah, there's some, there's how much work. It, there's some fundamental yeah. stuff way down rooted that that makes that difficult. Right. It's not impossible, and it's certainly no. not one of those. Yeah. It's more likely than transferring your account from PC to console, <laughs> by far. Yeah, I remember um, we, we chatted about it, and we had a good like hallway discussion. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. That sounds great. And then we went and talked to Keith, and he almost laughed in our faces. So right. So it's very much it's very much in the DNA of the game itself that that would require a significant amount of work to change. It would, but it's something that we would like to do if we could find the time to do it. Right. right. Like all of us would like to do it. Yeah. So that that's a good sign of it happening. I think it's important. Yeah. I think it's an important thing. So it's not, it, this is not one of those brush off, yeah, maybe we'll do it one day things. I think it's very important to do. Mm-hmm. And if you were going to do this, would you uh, also include cross faction armadas? Yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's no reason yeah. why, you know, I, I don't see, there's no design reason why mm-hmm. we wouldn't allow cross faction yeah. armada. I don't even know if there's any design reason why I wouldn't let you just, you know, let playing cross faction uh, fleets, not just alone armadas, but armadas yeah. certainly. Okay, cool. We got a few quality of life questions, uh, specifically about the inventory and bank slots. For instance, Patreon supporter Chris Keen, David S., and form user USS Kentucky. Some want uh, the ability to sort items like pets or featured episode loot. Is there? Um, I know that that I remember talking about this quite a long time ago. That inventory ends up taking a lot of database space uh, for the game. Has there been any, th- you know, has there been any improvements, things that we can look forward down the pike in terms of sorting inventory and just making it a little bit more manageable? We actually had something that we were working on to address one of those things, but we had to put pause on it, and we're hoping to come back to so it. So we started working on it. So yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and so there's there's some work partially done on that. Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's uh, it got a got a got a little on hiatus. Yeah, so. Yes, we will be doing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we can probably edit this entire interview, and we'll just have that as a sound bite. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we can move on. (laughs) So our next question comes from Bad Moon Rising, and he simply says, Gamma Quadrant, when? 2018. When? Fantastic. Kai Wen? We don't like her. Yeah. She's mean. Kai Wen. She's a monster. Is that because I'm assuming that's what he's asking? You mentioned Gamma Quadrant and when? <laughs> I think that's an accent problem. He said when. We've we've oh. already been through the accents. I don't have one. This is how words sound when they're pronounced properly. <laughs> uh, from Twitter, uh, our it's going to uh, be amazing, by the way. That's all. What the Gamma Quadrant? It's going to be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be even better than that. It's going to be better oh. than amazing. Yeah. Stuff you hadn't seen before. It's sorely wanted. It, it's, I'm so happy that, to hear that we're going to the Gamma Quadrant because just Deep Space Nine has been lacking in the game, I, I feel anyway. I can just hear the like excitement in your voice, actually. <laughs> like, it's like you're, you got a big old grin. <laughs> Whenever anybody mentions Deep Space Nine content to Winters, he gets very excited. I do. I do. As well he should. Yay. I'm so thrilled. <laughs> oh. You're a monster. This is like the fight. It is. Rikosa and I. Rikosa called you a monster. That's quite a thing. <laughs> it's a compliment. Yeah, no, he calls me a monster all the time, and I'm sure it's positive. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, going back to looking at 2018, uh, what's on the horizon for conventions? We have a few Canadian friends that are curious to know if they'll ever see Cryptic up in uh, up in Canada. We're happy to see your Canadian friend at STLV. That would be an amazing opportunity to chat with us. There's, I mean, personally, I would love to go to all sorts of conventions. I know there's a really awesome one in Germany, and there's one in Birmingham, and in England, and there's, or is it Birmingham Shire? I'm not sure. It's Birmingham. Yeah, it's Birmingham. (laughs) 
And I mean, I love Canadia. They're the best, so. Canadia. <laughs> That's the official name. Yeah. I mean, we, we've discussed it with our Canadian co-workers. Yeah. STO Shin tweeted us and said, would it ever be possible to let players transfer lobby ships entirely from one character to another? Now, I know that can be done when they're boxed, so I'm assuming he means once they've been unpacked. You mind if I go ahead? Um, we have we have we have talked about it. It would you know kind of like you said it would be involved repacking and uh, and, and transferring it, but right. it, that's not necessarily tri trivial. So it's something we've discussed, but I don't know if uh, uh, I cannot I cannot promise that at all. Well, we have just about gone through a lot of our community questions and some of the questions that we had. We leave the mic open to you all to see if there's anything that uh, that we haven't spoken about that you'd like to spotlight or talk about and and tease have you guys the players. Had a chance to play the uh, winter event yet? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, uh, the priority one Armada will have its live stream uh, this Saturday, and we're going to be spending the whole thing in Q's Winter Wonderland. Be chasing the Cramperi around. Yep. That's always and good the, fun when we the, get to do the that. The Snorg is my favorite. That is just uh, that was the best addition to the winter event ever. Was the Snorg. So the uh, the winter event was uh, created by uh, by one of our newer designers, uh, a tip. And uh, so I don't I think she's been on your show. I can't remember if she's been on your she, show. She was on um, Ten Forward, I think, last week or the week before our our weekly stream uh, with. Um, Oh, I don't remember who was with her. Rob, I think, who made the um, goodies. Yeah. yeah. So the two of them were on the our live stream that happens Wednesdays at 4 p.m. PST. But I don't know if she's been on Priority One. Did uh, you guys talk to Tiff? No, no, we have not. So. She no. was at she was at STLV though, right? Wasn't she? No. No. Okay. I don't recall. We did give her a shout out in this week's episode uh, for her. It was it was she's the one who did the uh, Winter Wonderland inspired recipes. Yes. yes, she did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so <laughs> she is an excellent baker. Yeah, so I would, if she time, puts so. a recipe out, I would probably trust it. Yep. So she's been a great addition to the team. You can look forward to some really fun stuff for hers uh, uh, coming out uh, early next year, as well as later. So uh, and some really uh, very different gameplay coming out from her. So, um, so uh, yeah. Spoilers. No spoilers. Just a very different gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so there's the winter event, and then of course we'll have our anniversary coming up. Uh, mm -hmm. What did we just have? Lost. Season fourteen. Season fourteen. Not too long ago. Season fourteen just came out, yeah. and um, will there be a fourteen point five? There will be something that comes out after fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> Al, you're so dependable. It's great. Yeah. The boss is nodding over here. Yeah, yeah. There will be a 14.5 at some point. Yeah. Yes, there'll be a 14.5. So Between... regular, regular, regular intervals. Yep. Awesome. Well, again, congratulations on wrapping up the seventh year of Star Trek Online as we move into the eighth. We're looking forward to uh, all that brand new Deep Space Nine content. I say that with a big smile on my face. I'm so glad. <laughs> and I want to say, clap us on the back. We've done more seasons than any uh, any Trek Dark show. Trek show. Yes, double nice. them up, right? Fourteen. Hmm? Fourteen <laughs> seasons doubles them up. Well, but but but, but years. Years. Oh yeah. Eight years yeah. longer yeah. than yeah. any other running Star Trek. That's yep. right. Right. Wow. Yeah. I'm and really we, embarrassed. For and all we did have, uh, although yeah. we can't talk about any of it, we did have CBS here yesterday <gasps> to talk about some wonderful <gasps> conspiracies. Yeah. So that was a very exciting day. We spent the whole day with us. We got sharing amazing chock full of spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Chock full uh -huh. of spoilers and and chock full of art. And we showed him a bunch of art. And so yesterday yeah. was a yesterday was a very good day. One of the, one of the juiciest uh, one of the juiciest days we've had in the CBS in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Nice. I That's like cruel. That's just so like cruel. It. <laughs> it's tough for us too. Can you imagine like knowing this and not being able to say a word to anyone? Yep. Yeah. We can't even tell people on the team. Yep. I can't say I envy you. <laughs> oh, what a horrible thing to go through, you guys. Oh, to know the future of Trek. <laughs> Boo hoo hoo. I appreciate your pity. It is a, it is a tough life we live. <laughs> Well, thank you again so very much for stopping by and, and spending our last episode of the year with us as we look forward to a, a new year for Star Trek Online. Thank you all so very much. Oh, thanks thank for you. having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Bye. We'll talk to Bye. you soon. Bye-bye.
for the last astrometrics report of the year, we're going to take a deeper dive into a recent visitor through these parts. Now, I'm not talking aliens, but I am talking about the first confirmed interstellar object seen to pass through our solar system. Now, personally, I kind of think of this as a really cosmic birthday present for both myself and Elijah, whose birthdays happen to fall on October 19th, which was the day that this object was first identified by astronomers. The object was first identified by a project called PanSTARS, whose purpose is to monitor the sky night after night, taking image after image and looking for anything that moves from one frame to another. Now the reason to do such a repetitive, intensive task night after night is to discover all of the asteroids that exist within our own solar system, a surprising number of which are yet to be discovered. Once astronomers find a speck of light in the sky that moves with respect to the background stars, it's important to keep mapping it out over a fairly long period of time so that little by little we can piece together the path of the orbit that the object takes around the sun. Now, Normally that orbit is in the shape of an ellipse with the sun at one focus following Kepler's laws of planetary motion. What made this object stand out was as astronomers slowly pieced together its path through the solar system, they quickly realized it was not following an elliptical closed orbit around the sun, but instead was on a trajectory known as a hyperbola. This meant that the object was not gravitationally bound to the sun like every other object we've ever observed in the solar system, but instead was just passing through. The sun's gravity did affect the object, but merely deflected it, bending it into this hyperbolic shape, while the object itself races on out of the solar system, continuing its ongoing journey through the galaxy. This object does have a name. It's officially known as 1I2017U1 Aumuamua. Now, that may be a tongue twister at first, but it's actually a pretty cool name. The 2017U1 simply refers to the year and rough calendar date on which it was discovered. But the 1I is a brand new designation invented for this very object, I indicating interstellar and 1 indicating the first of its class to be observed. Aumuamua is a Hawaiian word that translated means the first scout, indicating it's the first messenger of its kind bringing information of what it's like in other solar systems. It was given a Hawaiian name in recognition that the PanSTARRS telescope is located atop the volcano Haleakala on the island of Maui. As you might guess, as soon as this object was identified to the community, astronomers raced to study it as carefully as they could during its brief passage by the Earth on its way out of the solar system. It quickly became apparent that the brightness of the object was actually changing regularly over the course of around seven to eight hours, suggesting that it may be a tumbling spindly object as much as six to ten times as long as it is wide. Not surprisingly, it didn't take long for people to start saying aliens and making comparisons with other cylindrical ships from science fiction, like the interstellar voyaging ship from Arthur C. Clarke's Rendezvous with Rama, or the Save the Whales ship from Star Trek IV. It is worth noting, however, that the composition of the asteroid, at least as evidenced by its overall color, actually looks pretty similar to asteroids found throughout our own solar system suggesting that regardless of where you come from in the galaxy, an asteroid may pretty much be an asteroid. It's also worth noting that Aumuamua was only readily observable by astronomers for a period of a month or two. That means that if it had had a slightly different trajectory through the solar system that didn't pass so close to the Earth, odds are it would have been missed completely. That's interesting because it tells us that interstellar interlopers like this are probably pretty commonly passing through our solar system and it's just going to take more concerted efforts to identify them as they go through. It's only been relatively recently we've had access to telescopes like PanSTARRS, or NASA's NEOWISE Orbiting Telescope, or the upcoming LSST, whose job it is is to search as much of the sky as possible to help us map out the entire population of asteroids within the solar system, as well as capture the chance interstellar visitor that's just passing through. It's been estimated that we've only actually discovered about half the objects the size of Aumuamua that are within the asteroid belt and have been here all along. Some current estimates have suggested there might be as many as one interstellar object passing through our solar system within the Earth's orbit at any given time. 
The asteroids are thought to be the leftover debris from the era of planet formation, and it's long been expected that asteroids like these were ejected into interstellar space when our planets are being formed. So of course, we would expect that to happen in other solar systems as well. Information gleaned from studying other interstellar visitors like Aumuamua will tell us more about the planet forming processes in other star systems and put our own solar system into a kind of galactic context. Though we hardly knew you, Amuamua, we expect you are a harbinger of a lot of cool discoveries that are yet to come. Switching gears, I wanted to put a quick plug in for a new video series that my colleagues and I have been developing as part of NASA's Universe of Learning partnership. The video series will be dubbed Universe Unplugged, and our first video is out. Electromagnetic Spectrum, the musical, pits Babylon 5's Ed Wasser against an evil supercomputer portrayed by none other than the voice of GLaDOS herself, Ellen McLean. And of course, I will expect Elijah to perform the song It's All Light on an upcoming Priority One. And our next videos will feature none other than Will Wheaton, so look for those soon. Well, that wraps it up for the 2017 Astrometrics Reports. Let's go see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. And once again, we are so very grateful to Dr. Robert Hurt for his contributions and Astrometrics Report. We are so looking forward to 2018. Now, Captains, we're at the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 346's first community question was, would you go to see an R-rated Star Trek film? Why or why not? Coming in via Facebook, Alejandra Acevedo writes in, yes, yes, I would, if there's a mirror universe kind of story. I read Dark Mirror by Diane Duane, and I have to confess, I would love to see Evil Picard. Ooh, that could be interesting. Ooh. I would. I, that would be really cool to watch. Um, to watch Patrick Stewart sort of flex some of those acting muscles in a in a different way. From Twitter, Chris Keane says, "I think Star Trek should go down the R-rated route. Thanks to Disney making family TV and films, there's not much adult material around at the moment. Perfect time to fill a market and give adults a break from Star Wars, Marvel, and due to the Fox sale, Predator and Aliens will go PG too." Wow, I love Chris Keen, and I could not disagree more. I just, look, man, I just think that the whole rating system needs to be reviewed again. It's been decades since the Motion Picture Association of America has uh, looked at them. And given, like I mentioned last week, given television like AMC's Walking Dead, I think it's time that we kind of revisit what those meanings are for what those films can be. Well, yeah, the definition of what is a film for adults, I think, has changed. And I I, I really strongly dislike things that are R-rated or they throw in swearing and violence, like really gory violence, just to make it seem like it's not for kids um, when you could have done without it and still told a great story because it just it just irks me. Maybe that's because I'm a parent. Maybe that's because I'm a parent. Well, you know, interesting. I, I remember you mentioning last week that you had not yet seen Logan and Logan is a rated R film on the flight. Can you watch Logan and then give me your opinion on it, like both as a sci-fi person and as a parent, because I think that there are even PG-13 films that kind of push it more than Logan did a little bit. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I will check I, that I, out. I'm, I'm curious to see what your opinion is. From Twitter, Patrick Brooks says, I'm cool with Star Trek going the R rating route for language and or violence. I wouldn't see how nudity would work in and be relevant to a Star Trek story. Picard in the Kelvin timeline? That's an interesting thought. Captains, in episode 346, we tasked you to do the writer's jobs for them. How would you work Captain Picard into the next film? A Tarantino-directed Kelvin Timeline Star Trek film? Something else? From Patreon, David S. says, Either as Ambassador Picard, or perhaps as Locutus, set during Wolf 359. That seems like a very Tarantino setting. I like Ambassador Picard. It'd be really hard to do Locutus, though. Because Patrick Stewart, love him, is a lot older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> than, yeah, yeah. Than he used to be. Do Borg age? Are there old Borg? Uh, I don't know that they're probably there. There probably are old Borg. Yeah. But there's probably like a cutoff date where they <laughs> ship him off on a raft. Do you think they just keep stretching them like the Borg Queen? Because she was kind of stretched. 
Oh, that's true. That's true. Do they? Do you think Facelift. they just kind of work? Yeah. Do they? Maybe. Do they care? Do they think? Wow. You know, Lacutus is getting bit of a, a mix between the Sona and the Borg. Yeah. Like, oh, that uh, unit two five seven is getting a little saggy around the middle. We should fix that. <laughs> Liposuction to unit seven of two. Eight of one needs a tummy tuck. Oh my god. <laughs> There's some excellent fan fiction. I could just, I can see it now. It'll be like, it'll be like. Hip tuck for the Borg. Yeah. <laughs> From Twitter, Pax Federatica says. As an ambassador forced to take command of a starship, not even necessarily the Enterprise, following a high-casualty sneak attack or disaster. That, that could work, actually. I think the ambassador route or the admiral route would also work as well in that situation. Via Twitter, at Patrick B 702 writes, maybe Mirror Universe Picard from the comic in the Kelvin timeline could work. You know, that's interesting. We keep seeing a lot of people talking about an R-rated mirror, and I guess it's a, it's a, it, yeah, I could see that. I could see why would that work. would make, yeah, why that would make sense, because the Terran Empire isn't, you know, it's kind of... Well, you know, midriffs and all. You know, yeah, right, exactly. Midriffs and goatees, it's way more R-rated than... I just, I don't think we re I just don't think we need to stretch that far in order to tell a compelling story that yeah, might merit an R rating, but is still invocative, right? Because again, I, I I think back on Logan. I as I was watching, Lo like Deadpool. Yeah, okay, rated R. I get it. Yeah, that that should have been TV. That should have been a, an MA rating, if that. But Logan, you know, the, it just that really blurred the lines because I think a lot of young adults, young kids, went and saw that film because Wolverine and X Men and woo. Yeah. And a child superhero, right? There's, there are children in the film that are are a big part of that forward-moving story. Yeah. So, you know, I, I if, if if Logan were to be the template of science fiction R rating, you know what? I'd be cool with that because it did not push the envelope. And finally, we once again took to Twitter for our weekly survey Sunday. And we said, this week we want to know, what's your favorite Star Trek Online event? Don't be shy. Tell us why. And out of 22 votes, 27% of you said Rise of Summer, hashtag Gornkinis. 50% of you said Q's Winter, Epos. Uh, absolutely none of you said Hearts and Minds, hashtag Clones. And 23% of you said Other, hashtag Mirror Maru's. Well, Captains, that wraps up episode 347 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. And our last episode of 2017. It's been a long road getting from there to here. But you know what, Captains? It's been a fantastic ride, and we look forward to 2018. But listen, do you remember... I'm sorry, please allow me three seconds to reminisce. At the very beginning of this year, we were celebrating our 300th episode, and it was back in January, wasn't it? That we were... We did our huge live stream, and we had um, Mission Log on, and we had Al Rivera on, and we had loads of special guests that came on and supported us for our 300th episode. Uh, it feels like both so long ago and also yesterday. Oh my god, yeah. I was in my new apartment when that happened, yeah, didn't I? That's right. That was way back in January. And that was our oh premiere god. to uh, broadcasting video. On Facebook? Oh, really? Get out back, yeah, yeah, wow. back to video. Wow. Wow. Wait, how come we don't have 52 episodes this year? How many episodes did we, did we slack <laughs> Cause, on? Because you kept slacking off whenever I wasn't there. I kept slacking <laughs> off. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> no, I, there, I think there were just a few. Yeah, there, there was were, a couple. There, were def there was definitely one or two emergency situations, but then I think we had holidays. Speaking of 2017, Captains, we are so very grateful to have been able to join the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Now, if you want to enjoy some amazing podcasts like Mission Log and Women at Warp, then we encourage you to visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. Now, before we go, here's a reminder of our very last community question for this year. What do you think makes good science fiction? And we'll look at your answers for that when we come back in January. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. 
Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. And don't forget that every Saturday night, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel where we review the latest Star Trek Online news and Armada news, as well as highlight some of the amazing members within the Armada. Each week we team up with you, the viewers, and earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's something for all STO players, new and old. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash priority one. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Now with a brand new format, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favourite space sim, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And our latest endeavour, Heroes Rise, brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover all their secrets. A very special thanks to Stephen Rocosa, Maria Rosso and Al Rivera for helping us finish up the year in Star Trek Online News. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, with support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media. Speaking of Jake, a very special thanks to him for also spearheading our social media endeavors, especially those Title It Thursdays and awesome Survey Sundays. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producer, Navy Boatslew. But captains, most importantly, as we round out this year, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, our friends. Because without your ongoing support, week to week, None of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. complete.